everybody this is dave with dynasty dorks um appreciate you guys joining in tonight it's uh right in the middle of free agency we got march madness this is one of my favorite times of of being a sports fan um i got three great guests on tonight so i just want to introduce the guys um bash you want to start i just want to introduce the guys sure you guys can be on Twitter at Dynasty Bash IDP. I just started writing for uh, Dynasty Pros. I'm doing their IDP for them. I'm just going through rankings right now, so it should be updated here in the next week or so. Uh, just kind of waiting for some free agents to fall and see where I want to move people. But yeah, and coming it. to us from Canada. All right, and I got two of my guys from uh, Pro Football Absolutely. Network. Um, Andrew, you want to start? Sure thing. Yeah, Andrew Hall, I write for PFN. Actually, just today, my first piece was released for Fantasy Pros, so kind of doing all that stuff in the offseason. And, uh, yeah, just follow me on Twitter, Andrew Hall FF. That's where I put a lot of my stuff and like to interact. Love those gifts. Let's get it going. Awesome. Welcome to the show. Tommy? Yeah, um, you can find me over on Twitter at Tommy Garrett PFN. I'm a fantasy writer and also an NFL analyst for Pro Football Network. Um, pretty much all my work is over there. Um, we're doing some work on the video side of things as well. So, uh, anyways, I'm really happy to be here, guys. Kind of excited to break down a little bit of the chaos that we've seen kind of unfold so far, with probably a lot more still to come. Absolutely. Uh, these are three must follows. Um, you know, Andrew and Tommy. I see you do some work with them at Pro Football Network. I've uh, seen you guys, you know, grow on Twitter. Um, you guys are just doing big things. Um, just super excited to have you guys on the show. Um, so let's just get straight into it. Um, free agencies here. We've had a crazy offseason with, you know, normally quarterbacks don't move. And this year there's quarterbacks moving all over the place. We saw Matthew Stafford traded. Carson Wentz got traded. Jared Goff got traded. We saw a bunch of quarterback moves this week. Uh, where do you guys want to start? Who do you, which which quarterback move you know, stands out to you the most? I think we should start with the biggest one, Mitch Trubisky. Right? Come on, that that man I cannot. Okay, no, nobody cares about Mitch Trubisky. Are we kidding <laughs> me? Uh, I I still think that the biggest story are the ones that haven't signed. Right? You got you got Watson. It's is he going to trade? Is he going to stay? You got Russell Wilson. Is that enough? Is it not enough? You know, some of those stories I think are still big just because they're the what if, right? And yeah. every fan base is like, come here, come to my team. There's all those possibilities. Um, if I'm being honest, I don't think either one of them changed teams, but I think those are the two biggest stories we're still seeing. I mean, there's a lot of guys that have signed, but in the quarterbacks, I mean, you can't get worse than a, the top five guys in fantasy and in regular NFL possibly changing teams. That's just nuts. I think the likeliest one out of those ones might be might be Deshaun Watson because we just kind of heard the rumor of the Bears offer was two firsts, a third, and two starters, even though they weren't named, um, and they shot that down apparently pretty quickly. What's going on with Deshaun Watson and all this stuff off the field? I have, because I'm kind of staying away from that as far as like just kind of speaking on it because I don't know the situation. Um, but it's pretty much like who's going to blink first in the in Texas down there between the ownership of Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson. We'll kind of see how that plays out. But I mean, in terms of the guys that have signed so far, I mean, I think Andy Dalton is kind of like a, a lateral move. I think a lot of us kind of feel that way. He did outplay Trubisky in a touch, but he kind of is who he is. Um, and he's also going to a worse, a worse situation in terms of offensive quality. Um, granted, Allen Robinson's great, but is he actually going to play? Because he still needs to sign his franchise tag, and he's already had given a little pushback on that. Um, I think Cam going back to New England was interesting and kind of what they've done to build that offense around him. 
I'm sure we'll kind of touch on some of those other moves they've done. And then Fitzpatrick uh, going to Washington now after they kind of they do resign uh, Tyler Henneke, um in in February after the season. Um, so I think it's going to be very interesting quarterback competition there. Although I do think we all believe Fitzpatrick will come in, and it kind of gives a spark of life to that offense. G- gives them much more of a uh, a vertical passing attack because we know Ryan Fitzpatrick has never seen double coverage that he didn't like to throw into. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say this. I'll hop on this for a second. Andy Dalton, obviously, I, I'm a Bengals fan. He comes from a, a long career as a Bengals player, right? I was a big fan of Andy Dalton when he played here for my team. And I, I just want to put it out there that he's used to playing with one go-to guy and getting it to yeah. that guy and AJ Green. Mm-hmm. So as I do think it's a worse situation than Dallas probably, but Andy Dalton's kind of familiar with this situation. He's used to being the, the kind of calm presence that can get it done. I think for fantasy, especially, I think there's a lot of potential for Andy Dalton to have a really okay. good year in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be, I think they're going to be down a lot. They're going to be throwing a lot. I mean, it's just there's a lot of good potential there. So I like that, that signing. I think that was perfect to. for both sides. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. His, that's his system. Yeah, that's his game plan. So I think it'll be good for him. So I like that signing a lot. Let, let's not talk. Let's not forget to talk about the $140 million man. <laughs> the backup, Taysom Hill. Yeah, we could talk about Taysom. I mean, that that is the weirdest contract I've ever seen, right? That's the most creative it. thing. And that's getting talked about on its own. How creative can you get? Well, you can 140 million over four years and all of it's voidable. Like yeah. almost all of it, of course. Like that's just brilliant. So it makes it seem like this monster contract. And if he plays well, there's no way he earns that anyway, right? Yeah. I mean, like even if he's a top quarterback, you don't, you don't, it just doesn't make sense. Nobody in their right mind would pay that kind of player. And what was that be like 35 million a year? Like that doesn't make any sense. So I thought that was great just for the story alone. Everybody's I mean, like freaking out said- like, find you someone who loves you like Sean Payton loves Taysom Hill. Even Sean Payton doesn't love Taysom Hill that much. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, I think we all kind of expect probably to see Jameis Winston understand it because it also kind of takes away some of the versatility of Taysom Hill if they're running the quarterback. Look, if your boy's a quarterback, I think it'll be very interesting. And um, We kind of saw the games that he played, and he was a pretty damn solid fancy quarterback given his rushing upside, kind of at the detriment of guys like uh, Michael Thomas and even Alvin, especially Alvin Kamara. Um, especially yeah, I, I think it's interesting more than anything, and also kind of very creative cap work by teams like the Kansas City Chiefs uh, to pull off what they've done, Mickey Loomis in New Orleans, and also like, big props to like and the guys down there in Tampa Bay to kind of bring back the band and kind of keep the entire same team together, putting them back in a shot to go for another one. I think the the cap work these teams have done in a in a reduced year to only one eighty five at one eighty two five. I think it's been it's been an, an interesting watch to watch to uh, watch from the sidelines. <clears throat> Yeah, Jason Light, the comeback story, drafted a kicker in the second round, um, looked like a, a joke, and uh, he's really, um, really rebounded, um, had an amazing you know season, capped out for the Super Bowl, and then he's had an amazing offseason. Yeah. Bash, anything else to add on the quarterbacks? The only thing that I don't get is why you would let Trubisky go He's getting two and a half million and to pay somebody 10, that's pretty lateral to me. I get Dalton's probably a little bit of an upgrade, but it's a seven and a half mil more a year. It's a, it's a big pay jump. But I, I suppose if they did resign him, he to stay in Chicago. So. I think one of the interesting ones too was uh, Tyrod Taylor going to Houston. Um, is that just a backup move or is that a we're trying to protect ourselves given the situation? Kind of, I thought that was a little bit of an interesting one. Yeah, 
Yeah, the, the the Texans are they're not really the sexiest place to go right now. They're they're really a, no. a dumpster fire when it comes to you know for free agents. So they've had to be creative and bring in guys that they know that the coaching staff is is familiar with that the uh, general manager is familiar with, and um, you know they're bringing in veterans. Um, and yeah, I, I, they've they've added so many people this offseason. And if you look down the list, it's yeah. like either they were a Patriot or a Raven. Or they've they've worked with Cully in some some capacity, and nearly all of that's been on defense. I mean, if you look at the offense, I mean, you've got David Johnson, Mark Ingram in the backfield, and for fantasy, we're staying about eighteen miles away from that at the at a minimum. <laughs> you've got Brandon Cooks, your wide receiver one. Behind him, who are you going to run with? You've got Randall Cobb and Andre Roberts. And then you have Darren Fells at tight end. Like Fells got just, cut today. What's that? Yep, Fells got, Fels cut, got cut. Oh yeah, you're right. He did. Yeah. So who's your tight end? Well, and then I, I saw the uh, Pro Football Network did a two-round mock draft of the Houston Texans, um, yeah. and it, it had zero players on it because they don't have a first-round or a second-round pick. So, <laughs> it, yeah, the Texans, um, you can understand why Deshaun Watson wants to get out of there. And, uh, again, I just don't know why anyone would make a career move to go there mm-hmm. unless they're just offering you know a obscene uh, amount of money more than somebody else. So let's let's go to the, the running backs – um, you know, running backs hasn't been, um, there hasn't been a, a ton of movement. Um, we saw Aaron Jones, uh, resign, which I think, uh, AJ Dillon, um, believers are, um, very unhappy. Yeah. I saw some crazy, crazy AJ Dillon, um, hype this off season. Um, now might be the time to buy AJ Dillon because, you know, you can get him for an actual price, but, um, any running back news stand out to you guys? I mean, I think I would go with the one today, and that's going to be Kenyon Drake going to the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I did not see that one coming. Uh, if you're kind of looking at the landscape, he was probably one of the top three that were remaining. Uh, him, Chris Carson, Kenyon, and um, James Conner, probably after the after Aaron Jones was re-signed. I just think that's really interesting. You're looking at a guy who was you know, 300 touches. He had like 240 his rookie year and then had 300 last season in Josh Jacobs. Granted, they've completely decimated that offensive line. They've shipped everyone out of there that would ever – you know, run block form. And then you bring in someone like Kenyon Drake, who they kind of believe is a jack of all trades. And if that's the case, you're looking at Josh Jacobs and seeing 240-ish touches this season, 240, 250. I mean, it's still way too early to work on projections right now, but obviously it's not good for that backfield right now, especially from a fantasy perspective. They're just going to eat into each other's uh, capabilities at this point. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of A.J. Dillon truthers are hoping for, was eating into Jamal Williams' time, right? And kind of, well, what's the competition? That'll be easy. Well, with Aaron Jones coming back, man, I got to be honest, like that's that's A.J. Dillon to the floor, right? Everybody yeah. on Twitter was was going nuts about that. Well, not everybody was going nuts about Drake. There was a lot of a lot of chatter, I guess, that I would call it, about people that just weren't, weren't a fan of Drake. I mean, beginning of last season, I think into the uh, Scott Fishbowl even, a lot of people, I know, I, I think you and I both, Tommy, took Drake, if I can remember. And it was one of those I things where like he's – uh, okay, well, e- either way, like he's a good value in that kind of situation in July of last year when we're drafting. And well, yeah, I think especially that- coming off the end of that <clears throat> season, you know, from week eight yep. on, he was phenomenal. I mean, we yep. were all kind of thinking, okay, he's going to be the exact same fit in the offense. And all of a sudden, from an efficiency standpoint, Chase Evans was far better for him in, uh, in Arizona. The only thing that saved him fantasy wise was his touchdowns. Yep. And again, what a difference a year makes, right? I mean, he's not that much yep. older, but he feels 10 years older. Just because we've seen it now, we've seen it fail. It's not that the, the the shine has gone off. The what if isn't as bright. 
right? The, the options aren't as high. And I think that's really what it is, is his ceiling is a lot, is a lot lower than it used to be. And now that he's going to be playing alongside Josh Jacobs, it makes me wonder if both of their ceilings take a hit. Like you just said, yeah. it's really, it, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. I am not going to be shocked if one of them ends up in that RB2, you know, RB12 to 15 kind of range, like that high-end RB2, and the other's a high-end RB3, and both of them are startable week to week. But I do think it's going to be really interesting to see how that shakes out, both in training camp and preseason, and then obviously into the season. we got to see what we're dealing with here. Uh, Gruden yep. has a history of being just kind of holding a lot of cards close to the vest and just being real secretive with things. It could be one of those weird things where now Theo Riddick is the guy, right? You hate to say it, but there are injuries yeah. that come up every year, too. So we could see an injury in the preseason to one or the other, and the other becomes a monster. So it's going to be an interesting story to, to watch and unve- develop as we get through the season, or through the offseason, I should say, into the season. It's going to be really interesting. But I'm still a Jacobs truther, to be honest. I think Jacobs yep. is still a good running back. I think Drake is going to be a good, should be anyway, a good complement to that. Uh, but we're just we're going to have to see how it shakes out. Yeah, I like Jacobs. I mean, we just always got to... It always like the narrative is like he's going to finally get the passing work. Well, he's never actually finally gotten the passing work. And now you bring in someone else who is a very capable running back. You know, he's got a 4.0 career uh, yards per carry, which is obviously yep. that, sharp, that sharp drop off from the 2019 season. One thing that would not surprise will not surprise me. And it's kind of going back to one of the losses from another team benefiting someone else. It would not surprise me if we actually see Melvin Gordon end up with a better fantasy season than Josh Jacobs by the time the season is over. I could see that. I can see yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, there, there's got, there's a lot of other dominoes to fall. Obviously, we've got to see how the draft no, it's, plays it's out. It's still really early. Yeah, yeah. no, but, but I like that as an early call. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, especially with the way things are shape, shaping up in Denver in the running back room. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gordon could be the, the main guy, 80% of the carries. Yeah, because uh, they, they bring in Mike Boone. I don't think we're any, any of us are really worried, not worried. about Mike Boone yeah. kind of getting those those carries. The big thing is, like, hey, is Denver going to be able to maintain and, and continue a drive? Because they kind of struggled that last year. Drew Locke did have his injury issues. that kind of kept him on the field, off the field. And then they played one game without a quarterback on their entire roster. Right. So as long as they're able to kind of maintain these games. And we saw um, a guy in Phil Blins who had 35 receptions in his first two seasons kind of give that role away to Melvin Gordon. So if he's going to get some of that PPR work in this offense, and if they are playing from behind, yeah, it wouldn't be surprising Melvin Gordon being one of the better values in fantasy. He's kind of going in a in a lot of rankings, kind of like that running back twenty two to twenty four range. He might end up being a high RB two by the time the season's over. Yeah, I think a lot of that though is going to hinge on the quarterback, right? Absolutely. I mean, is it Drew Lock? Is it someone else to draft somebody? I think that's why he's so low. Is just that yes. nobody knows what to do with that offense. If they shore that up and it's real clear, even if it's Drew Locke and we know that, I think Gordon could could rise in rankings. So, yeah, he's a great buy candidate for me in Dynasty right now just because he's older, right, with quote fingers, right? He's older, a lot yeah. of players, oh, I don't like the – he's still going to produce. He's going to put up points. So, yeah, it could be good. Yeah, I like that, Cole. Um, you know, some of the smaller moves, Marlon Mack got re-signed by the Colts. Uh, Carlos Hyde went to the Jaguars. Yeah. Um, those are moves that don't necessarily, you know, crush the, the starter – um, if, you know, if Chris Carson were to go to Miami, that would be, you know, that would hurt Miles Gaskin quite a bit. And I think, you know, people are waiting for Gaskin to get replaced. They're waiting for James Robinson to get p- replaced. For me, there's just way too much smoke around Miles Gaskin getting replaced. It went from Aaron Jones. Now it's Chris Carson. If he escapes free agency, he's still going to have a bunch of bullets in the draft. He's going to dodge. Yeah. I just don't, I don't see Miles. If, for me, if you're Miles Gaskin, you have yep. shares of Miles Gaskin. I'm getting out now. Um, and James Robinson, I feel much better. Um, but- oh, yeah, you brought up one of the guys who I think is a winner right now in James Robinson. 
Absolutely. Like, because Hyde is good enough that they're not going to need to draft somebody. It's, it's exactly what you want if you're a Robinson owner. I agree. Because yeah. Hyde's not going to really be a threat to the carries. He's not going to get 50%. Hyde's clearly a, a, a kind of spot start, you know, fill in on a drive kind of a thing. He's not going to threaten. And I think the worst case scenario would be the opposite, where they don't sign anybody and there's a bunch of what is heading into the draft. And then they, you know, the third round, they get somebody like Harris that just slips and falls all the way down there. Something crazy happens. We've seen it every year. And then it's like, well, now what? Right now, great. Now, now Miles Gaskin, or not Miles, sorry, uh, James Robinson is going to have to fight with somebody, with, you know, who actually could take over the role. Hyde's not going to take that over. No, I think another one of them too is going to be Clyde Edwards Alaire. He's done a little bit of a, he's a little bit of a, a sneaky winner too. They kind of, they lose uh, Damian Williams. He's released and they kind of are starting to shore up that offensive line. They made some really good moves here recently. So he's another guy that's kind of, he's held his value where I think some people are kind of slightly worried about what they're going to do in that backfield. Yep. Yeah. Jamal Williams signing to the Lions. Um, not, the best news for DeAndre Swift, I don't think it, it, it kills his value or anything. Um, but I, I did see some crazy talk yesterday. Someone said, you know, well, now Jamal Williams can be an RB1. Um, I just politely no. said, uh, I disagree with that. Um, I'm, I'm obviously really high on DeAndre Swift. I think that uh, most people are. Um, yep. Jamal Williams will have a role. Um, but no one expected DeAndre Swift to have 100% of the carries. He's right. You know, NFL teams are going to have three or four running backs and Jamal Williams is a capable running back. And, uh, unless something happens to Swift, I think he's, he's no, no more than an RB three RB four. Um, I don't know what your guys thoughts on that. I mean, for me, I think Swift, if you're just looking just, just this season, Swift could easily be a low end RB one for me this season. Low and mid, he's right in the middle of it in my book, man. I'm telling you, Aaron Jones did fine, I, honestly. And I think this offense is going to have to filter more through Swift than the Green Bay did through Aaron Jones. Yeah, so well, I, I really think Swift it all is comes get down up to there. what this, what the receiving is, what's going to be. Because you have three guys who can catch the ball in this backfield between Carryon Johnson, uh, Jamal Williams, and and um, DeAndre Swift. The biggest benefit of this thing was actually the sign of Anthony Lynn, because if we look at yes. the passing splits and how many times they targeted uh, running backs. In 2017 through 2019, the lowest they ever were was ninth, and that was a 25.3%. They had two seasons above a 30% target share to the running backs. And you're also losing 150 carries from Adrian Peterson now being gone. So as long as this offense can actually can sustain some drives, yeah, Adrian, I think DeAndre Swift's going to have a fantastic season. But you have a lot of guys who have backfields to themselves. And yeah. so that's where I think he loses some of that RB8 and above category kind of range. I just feel like Swift is too locked in. I, I mean, he's he's young. He showed well last year. I mean, yeah, they changed quarterbacks. They changed offensive game plan and all this. And the way I look at it now, and with Galladay gone, everything's going to filter through Swift, in my opinion. They can't put it all on Goff. They're going to have to sign somebody. They're going to have to draft somebody. But I think at, at some point, it's just going to be Swift or nobody. And I like that. I mean, if you're in Dynasty right now, I mean, I've got Swift. I mean, he's like RB7 in Dynasty for me. I mean, it's I, I love him, but it's just – we'll be interested to see what this season's going to be like, especially in 2021 for redraft guys. Yeah. Bash, anything to add to the running backs? No, I don't know. Like Ingram, maybe you can get some value out of him. B that's probably going to get hurt. But what do you get out of Houston, really? It's a mess. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. The, the last running back I talk about is Jace Evans. Um, right now, he's a winner. Um, I don't I think I don't think he dodges the bullets in the draft. I think I agree. Um, and there's still some capable running backs out there. Um, but what do you guys think about Chase Evans and his uh his chances right now? 
Honestly, I mean, I'll jump in here. I, I, I just want to say like, that offense is going to be four wide, right? That, that Cliff Kingsbury offense, that Arizona offense is going to be high fly, and they're going to be running 75, 80 plays a game, no problem. And I think that actually helps Chase Edmonds because what you're going to get is a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield, get a lot of dump-off passes. With Drake gone, I agree, they're going to bring somebody else in. But in all honesty, I wouldn't be shocked if it's someone like an Adrian Peterson. Somebody who's looking at that team like it's got Watt, it's got Green, it's got Hopkins, it's got Fitz. Like that's the vet team. That Arizona Cardinals are right now a fantasy football team. They're built like a fantasy team. And I think that's what you're going to see is you're going to see Adrian Peterson or somebody like that, J.D. McKissick, one of those names that just always pops up in your flex spot and you hate it, but he puts up 12 points and you're like, that's not bad. I'll take it. It's going to be something like that. And Edmonds, I think, is going to be the RB1 for the sake of what we're talking about. He's going to be on the field the most. But I think they're just going to be tossing that ball everywhere. And I think, again, that just that helps Edmonds. It helps Murray. helps the whole offense. I mean, Kirk could actually see some work this year. I mean, that offense is just going to be lighting it up. So, yeah, I love Edmonds for that reason. Yeah, I yeah. mean, they were number number four in total plays last year with 1,083. Yeah, I don't see any way that kind of slows down. And you kind of bring in someone like A.J. Green, like you said, that's going to be one of those offenses. Like I said, go out four wide and just have some fun. Um, I'm curious who the tight end is going to be. I think that'll be interesting if they add, add, add in someone else. Um, but, yeah, otherwise – they that, sign somebody? Uh, no one interesting. It's like Dan yeah. Arnold or something like that right now. No one interesting. Arnold's actually a free agent right now. So, so that's who um, they had. I thought there was somebody that yeah. they signed, but yeah, no big deal. Uh, one, look. one team building thing that they talked about on, on Move the Six was, um, you know, before you used to get a big guy and a little guy, and you paired them together, and they complemented each other in running backs. Now backfields are just like get two or three really good running backs. It does not have to be uh, a you know square peg and a round hole situation. You could get two guys to do the same thing really well and pair them together. Um, and you're, you're going to see that. So don't necessarily think that, you know, um, they, they might it doesn't get have to be a thunder and lightning kind of thing. Like with, uh, what was that? Jamal Stewart and D'Angelo Williams. Was that yeah. the one that was yeah, Carolina? Jonathan, Jonathan Stewart. And Jonathan Stewart. That's it. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> exactly. So I just want to throw that out there when people are looking at it, you know, you may see a guy like a Michael Carter or a Kenneth Gainwell or someone that's very similar size and, and, and style to Chase Edmonds and be there and they just work together and just the offense doesn't change when they leave or come back on the field. Lightning and lightning. Yeah. <laughs> lightning, lightning. Yeah. Double lightning. So um, let's go to receivers. What's a receiver you guys want to talk about first? Oh man. Do we just well, talk again, about the, the ones that haven't done anything? I was just going to say the quarterbacks. Yeah. It's the ones that aren't there yet. Yeah. I, I think part of it is that they were kind of expecting to have this like big open market to find, to find these deals. And I think they're kind of realizing like, a teams might not view them as that wide receiver one they feel like they are. Um, I wonder with Juju, like we have some concerns because like the only time he's had a really good season was in 2018 when he was alongside Antonio Brown. Um, and you're thinking, okay, he has to line up in the slot if he's going to be effective. Um, and then with Kenny Galladay, I think COVID is being a part of that right now because they can't get him in necessarily to get uh, to check out on the hip. While well, we do see that apparently he met with the Bears, which is kind of a surprise to everyone. Um, then he had the meeting with the Giants and also another one with the Cincinnati Bengals schedule. So I think it's the in-person visits are what going to help him. But in this reduced salary cap season, I think they're finding that the, the money they were looking for might not be there. And as teams keep signing more and more pieces, the money that could go to one of these wide receivers just isn't there. So it wouldn't surprise me to see these guys actually end up signing like a one-year deal that's essentially like a franchise tag cost to try to hit the new TV deal uh, cap next year. I, that's I, that exactly would not surprise what, me at all. Exactly what I was going to say, too. Like, this is the year for the franchise tag being a good thing. Like, Godwin and, and Robinson both, I think, lucked out here because this is not the year you want to negotiate money. 
There's yeah. not a lot of money in the pocketbook. So I, I'm 100% with you. That's why Green, I think, took a one-year deal, right? And so like some of those guys that are in those older ages, they take one-year deals anyway. But for a, especially right now, it makes perfect sense. Take a one-year prove-it deal with a lot of incentives. Show that you can do it. Switch teams. Get your chance at a title. Um, and I think that a lot of these guys are just wanting that five-year, $190 million, you know, locked in, it's, yeah. especially younger guys like Galladay and Juju, where they're not quite to their prime. They're right on that edge. It's just, I don't think this is the year to get that, honestly. Like, yep. I just don't think it's going to happen. So I think what you're going to see, I mean, we saw Curtis Samuel get signed, right? So we've seen a couple of the, like, second, Will Fuller just got signed today, I saw. You yep. know, so there's a couple of those Miami. that just start kind of starting to fall. But the big guys, are, are, I think, are holding out, and they have every right to. There's no rush. Galladay, I yep. think, is doing the right thing. Take a look around, see what the options are. There's no reason to sign quick. I do think he fits well with the Giants. I think that would be an interesting place for him to go and see if he can. And now Kyle Rudolph, obviously, signing there with Evan Ingram. Yes. and. They still have Slayton. They, they've got Saquon, obviously. Is Danny Dimes going to be their guy? Like, that offense becomes immediately better with Galladay. Like, for no doubt, right? So I think everybody wants something like that. But it's really going to be up to him. And I, I I would love to see him come to Cincinnati. I'm not going to lie. Like, again, as a oh, Bengals fan, I'm a homer. God, I would love to see Kenny T on the field. You know what I mean? Like, let's, let's switch from Kenny G to Kenny T. Let's get it done. Get Boyd in the slot. I love it. But I just don't see that happening in a year like this, right? That's I not the kind of splash play the big. Bengals want to do, so. I think something interesting is like you see like Curtis Samuel where he's now playing alongside Terry McLaurin. I think that's a very interesting one. It's and it's who's going to kind of get the, I guess the negative impact of that. I don't think it's going to be so much like Antonio Gibson, but I think it might be someone like like Logan Thomas, maybe even JD McKinnon. Sure. Um, yep. I think those are going to kind of see the the negative impact on that one. Um, Corey Davis with the Jets. I think interesting. Like the Jets are kind of building a very interesting wide receiver. If we're if we're being honest with Corey Davis, um, Denzel, Denzel Mims. Yep. Um, God, James Crowder still there. Yeah, right? James. So, well, he is right now. They have this is one of the reasons, right. like we kind of thought they might go up to someone big because they have a ten million dollar buy. They have a buyout on his contract. They can opt out of that right. and save ten million. You take that, spend another five, and get one of these top wide receivers for this year. So I think that's turned into a little bit of an interesting, uh, interesting offense I, with who we think is going to be Zach Smith. I mean, uh, uh, Zach Wilson because it's kind of where there's there's enough smoke to feel like he's going to go number two. Um, so I think that's going to be interesting for him. And I think one for me is actually kind of been the negative impact on the team, but for AJ Brown through AJ Brown to the moon, however, wherever yep. the hell GME went to go AJ Brown even higher, because at this point you're taking a guy who was a wide receiver one with one of the lowest target volumes in the fantasy realm. You get rid of everyone else around him. Adam Humphreys is gone. Corey Davis is gone. There's Johnny no Smith one else gone. on the team. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I was just talking about the wide receivers. I hadn't even gotten oh, to them. Yeah, yeah, you take away him. Big like, target. This, yeah, they lost roughly 42%, include Jonu Smith, about 42% of their targets, 47% of their yards, and 45% of their touchdowns are gone from last year. You haven't brought in anyone else. A.J. Brown at this point, wide, he could be wide receiver three, wide receiver two in fantasy, and it would not shock me at all. But you could also see them be the one that kind of sneaks in and gets a Jamar Chase in the draft or, or goes and gets a, a Penny Galladay or something like that. What like are they in the draft? I'd have to double-check real quick. I think mid to late first, if I recall. But the point I'm getting I'm at is they're late for him, but Rashad. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think they're 18, something like that. I'm just saying they could get no, one no, of those top guys if they fall. Right, they could get one of those top guys that like, just you know we see this every year, one of those guys that we everybody picks in the top 10 that just sort of st- uh, kind of stalls out. Uh, I also wouldn't be shocked if they end up landing somebody like Kyle Pitts, who I think is another one of those guys that's going in the top five in every mock draft because he's a great player. But tight ends take a while to develop, and I just think a lot of teams at the top need bigger issues filled than that. So I think they're they're going to do a lot in the draft. But, yeah, they're not signing anybody right now on the offense. Tennessee's like at 22. 
I mean, I mean, <clears throat> there, yeah. I don't think there's any way Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts would ever make it at 22. Listen, I, how I many times have we heard guys say that and it happens, right? I'm just saying oh, it's a weird that. thing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, I don't think either, those guys are top 10 guys. What about like, Waddle? Jim, Jalen Waddle? Waddle yeah. has a chance. I think Waddle, the best chance he has, and that's if the Giants don't take Kenny Galladay, I think the Giants would take uh, Jalen Waddle at number 11. And one of the last, in the latest mock draft that I did, that's actually who I had the Giants taking was Jalen Waddle. That'd be nice. So as far as receivers, um, you know, there's still, you know, still some meat on the bone with Juju and Kenny Galladay still out there. Um, Marvin Jones, we talked about earlier, was, yeah. was kind of a, a sleepy um, little pick. Mm-hmm. Can you talk, let's talk about Marvin Jones a little bit. Yeah, uh, Marvin Jones. I'm kind of looking at the games where when Kenny Galladay was out, I think he ended up during those games uh, from like week eight on, he was like wide receiver six in fantasy football. And he's a guy who can put up some really good yardage at this point. He's also going to be that kind of a little bit of a safety blanket for Trevor Lawrence. He's going to be that veteran presence, but at the same time, he's not taking away the role of someone like a DJ Chark. You have very defined roles in Jacksonville with DJ Chark running his game, um, Marvin this Jones guy. running his, and then also LaVisca Chanel kind of working under the middle, kind of doing everything they want in that offense. So Marvin Jones is one of those guys you're probably going to get what is like round seven, round eight as like your wide receiver four in a draft right now, wide receiver four, wide receiver five, who could very easily outperform that. He's a guy who could see like, 80 some odd targets probably come down with close to 700 yards, maybe like five or so touchdowns if Trevor Lawrence performs, but all kind of comes back to, okay, what do rookie quarterbacks do? Because we have this mindset of rookie quarterbacks are going to perform, but we have to think Joe Burrow and Joseph Herbert, they were the outliers. Like since 2010, there's been 33 quarterbacks taken in the first round of the NFL draft. Since then, only five quarterbacks have been a top 12 asset in fantasy their rookie season. Only seven were inside the top 18. So we kind of still need to temper expectations. Well, granted, Trevor Lawrence has the highest floor of all of these. It's it's unfair to say, okay, he's going to perform like Justin Herbert did last year. Granted, well, I think the offense will be better. You put but, it perfectly. He's got a high floor, but I don't know yes. if Trevor Lawrence is a high ceiling, especially in his rookie year. I think what yep. we saw out of Herbert last year is is not repeatable, if I'm being honest. So yep. I think what you're going to see is Trevor Lawrence, is, and it, that was kind of a perfect situation, a perfect storm in a sense, because the Chargers just blew every possible call and forced Trevor uh, Herbert to have to throw everything. But I think Trevor Lawrence is going to come into a team that's rebuilding uh, with a solid foundation starter on day one with a long-term future in mind. He's not going to be benched for Terod Taylor who gets his lung punctured and has to come in. Like there were so many weird things about that. I think Trevor Lawrence comes in with a, with a really high floor, but also a low ceiling. He's going to be right where we think in my opinion. And I think that helps Marvin Jones. I'm right there with you. I think yes. Marvin Jones is a very sneaky pick. He's one of those guys too. You put it perfectly. He's one of those guys you can draft as your wide receiver four, and you start him in your flex, and you just kind of go, yeah, I guess that makes sense. And he's there every week producing in and out, and you're just like, why am I so down on this guy? Right? He ends up finishing as like wide receiver 22 in your flex all year. That's just how it goes. That's how he does. So I love Marvin Jones. Always have. Yeah. So we we did a startup, and this was before the, the Marvin Jones. We did a startup ADP, and LaVisca Chenault was two rounds behind DJ Chark. I don't see it that way, but if that happens, LaVisca is looking like the better value. Yeah. Um, what are you guys thinking in regards to that? I mean, obviously ADP is going to change a little bit um, as the offseason goes, but LaVisca versus Chark, is there a big enough difference between those guys where a little bit of ADP is not going to change anything, or are they so close in value that you know if you get one or two rounds of a dip, you're going to take the second guy? 
I always take the second guy, right? I'm one of those. I, I love value. I'm a big fan of that. If there are two guys that are close, I'm fine letting everybody reach on Chark and I'll grab Visca late. So I'm right there with you on that. And, and I think honestly, Jones is going to be even later than both of them, right? So Jones, could, I mean, especially in dynasty startup, my goodness, everybody's calling him old and out of date. I think he could be a 12th, 13th, 14th round pick that ends up starting for you all year. Uh, I think too, and, and what we see a lot in this time of year is you see people making trades for draft picks and things. Um, obviously right now leading up to the draft, it sometimes can be tricky to get rookie draft picks in dynasty. But I do think when you see somebody on the clock and they're just not sure what they want, throw a guy, Hey, say, I'll give you Marvin Jones, right? He's got this name cache around him. He's got this new flash. You could probably get a second round pick for him in the right situation. Mm So it's one of those things too, that you always have to keep kind of tabs on your league. You got to know what teams are needing what. And if there's a team out there that needs a solid receiver that isn't really sure of themselves and rookie drafts, we're all in leagues with people like this that just don't know what they're doing. And they're like, oh, man, I just, I don't know. I want to take so-and-so, but I just don't know. Hey, I'll take the pick. I'll take the risk. You take Marvin Jones. You've heard of him. He's good. He'll be there forever. So I think his value is going up right now with all of this. And that, that obviously that helps, but yeah, I mean, just to kind of hit back on it, I would rather almost have Marvin Jones later, if not like 20th round than either of the other two at this yeah. point, because you can get a lot more for him during the season than you can the other two. In my I think value wise, I mean, he might end up being the best value compared to ADP of the entire yeah. bunch. Like a Delta value, like his Delta from now until October is going to be bigger than the other two guys. That's what I'm saying. Bash, anything to add on the wide receivers? I'll just fuller off to Miami with Tua. I don't know how he's going to play there, but we we didn't get to see too much out of uh, Tua last year in and out as he was with Fitzpatrick there. But I'm kind of excited to see what he does. He's greasy fast if he can stay away from his drug problems. Who's going to be healthy throughout the entire season for Miami? With, you Preston, know, you got, yeah. I mean, Preston Williams, for the past two, his only two seasons in the NFL – He's only he's never made it past week eight, and then you bring in a guy yep. who has always had hamstring issues with Will Fuller. So it's who stays healthy. I think that's the interesting one. Um, Gasecki, I don't know. Yeah, Gasecki. He might be the number one option on this team now, uh, along with Devontae Parker. Um, Emmanuel Sanders. I think it's a little bit of an interesting one because I was a big Gabriel Davis fan, and this kind of hurts him a little bit. Um, they do lose John Brown, but we're going to see. I think it's pretty well defined. Stephon Diggs in the X. Then you have. Um, Emmanuel Sanders in the Z, and then on inside in the slot, it's going to be Cole Beasley. So I think this kind of relegates the uh, Gabriel Davis back down to like the wider two four. I think that kills some of the hype that we had on him. Uh, played really well. We loved him out of coming out of USC. I'm mean, sorry, coming out of uh, UCF. Had some had some good flashes last year, but I think the Emmanuel Sanders uh, signing for him kind of hurts him a little bit. Although I still expect Buffalo. There's some one of my teams. Like, I would not be surprised if Buffalo ends up uh, drafting Pat Firemuth. I would love that fit personally. I know a lot of people love Dawson Knox, but I think that would yeah, be my, a really fun one. My Dawson Knox shares would hate that, but I'm with you. I think the other yeah. one that I wanted to bring up in the wide receiver before we move on is, is my boy John Ross signing with New York. I mean, John Ross is one of those uh, underwear Olympics darlings, right? He runs like a 4-2-40. He gets all this attention. Everybody loves him, and then he does nothing with it on the Bengals. And I don't think that was an organizational thing. I think that was a John uh, John Ross thing. So seeing him go to the New York, I think that's going to be interesting to see if he makes the starting lineup. Obviously, if they get Galladay, too, that pushes him down the depth chart. He's not a slot guy. He's an open up the field guy. And I just think it's going to be interesting to see if he can actually open up the field like everybody, I don't know, expected him to. I know in Cincinnati it didn't work. And, I mean, maybe it'll work in New York. And I just want to see him on the field. He's probably out. 
Let's say they do get Galladay. I mean, he's going to be like a wide receiver four behind Slayton and, and, and Shepard at that point because yeah. they got rid of Golden Tate. So I mean, if you're going to run some four wide sets and then you have like um kind of mix and match between Evan Ingram and Kyle and Rudolph, Kyle like yep. I, I like John Brown, John Ross in that offense. We kind of know Daniel Jones but doesn't necessarily have an issue wanting to throw the ball deep. That was kind of no. the issue with Saquon Barkley is he was rather throw the ball deep than he would check the ball down. Um, so I think that's going to be a little interesting. I kind of like that call with John Ross. Right. And honestly, a one year, two and a half million. It's it's a prove it deal, no right? Like this is no it, John Ross. Honestly, this whole time has been on a rookie deal and hasn't needed to really, I guess, come out of his shell and like, had to actually prove it. And the Bengals were willing to wait and willing to wait and willing to wait. And they're like, no, nope, we're done moving on. And now he's on a deal where he's got one year to prove it. I think that could be the fire that he's been missing. And I would, again, I, I maybe it's a soft spot because I'm a Bengals fan and I saw them draft that guy and we all had high hopes and it just didn't work. But honestly, yeah. like if that offense, even if they don't get Galladay, that offense is becoming a lot like a fantasy offense too, right? They can go three wide with Saquon and two tight ends and have plenty of six options that we all like in fantasy. It's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. So I, I think yeah. I honestly, Daniel Jones is one of those guys too in dynasty that Everybody seems to be down on him. I don't see the Giants getting another quarterback in the draft. I just don't think it makes sense with the way Gettleman went all in on Daniel Jones. So I think he's one of those guys that could be under the radar, and some teams could just be fed up with him and just say, you know what, I haven't had the great experience with him. You know, he's not the best. Give me some a quarterback and a better receiver, and we'll call it a day. I mean, it's I love doing that kind of stuff in Dynasty because he's really getting under the radar. But if they add a lot of weapons like this, how can he not be worse? He's going to be better. So I, I think love it's that. one of those where like. Don't get, don't lose by the same guy twice. If you yes. got spurred by Daniel Jones last year, don't let that just cloud your judgment this year. You might just been a year early on his breakout. If they're yep. going to give all these weapons around him, maybe he'll play better. I know a lot of people were high on Drew Locke last year. He had those other injuries. Like, Grant, I do think, obviously, you know, Daniel Jones above Drew Locke. I mean, bigger alligator mouth going one direction here. But at the same time, it's one of those ones like, don't just let last year's judgment completely throw you off somebody who has, look, he has good potential, even though his biggest play is when he fell face first, wide open, rushing mm -hmm. towards the end zone. Well, I was even going to say this, like the Giants, Bash, honestly, they did a lot on defense, at least not a lot. They did some stuff on defense, right? Their defense got better. That's mm -hmm. got to help their offense in a way, right? I mean, it's not going to be terrible. I don't know. What do you think about the Giants defense, Bash? I think they'll be better this year than they have been. I just think that that, that Tomlinson con or was it Tomlinson left? That's going to hurt. Obviously, that's a three hundred and forty pound lineman that's going to yeah open up a big gap. We'll see what they do to replace it. Obviously, but yeah, I think that one hurt. But I think their defense overall will be better this year. But yeah, they've they've got that one hole that they're going to have to fill now. Yeah, as the. Uh... As a local Giants fan on the, on the pod, um, <laughs> so th what they've done so far is they re-signed Austin Johnson. Um, Dalvin mm -hmm. Tomlinson, the, the the writing was on the wall. You just couldn't pay both him and Leonard Williams. And then um, they got B.J. Hill, um, who will step in. But, you know, you could see them in the draft. This is uh, unfortunately not a great D-lineman class. But right. with that comes, you know, those guys are going to fall. So maybe, you know, you get the top one or two or maybe the third – best D tackle in the third or fourth round. Um, but yeah, I like what you guys are saying in, in regards to John Ross, um, you know, grabbing him on a cheap deal. First round guys, you just, you're going to get more shots and every coach thinks they can be the guy that unlocks it. Right. Um, but it, it's a, it's a really nice uh, compliment to that team because Shepard is now going to move into the slot where he's more comfortable um, moving him, him and having Shepard and Tate on the field together was really a bad situation. Um, but now having him move to the slot, you got 
Then you got Slayton and you got Ross that can spread, you know, can, can really stretch the field. And then if they did add a Kenny Galladay, what I like about it, you know, the Giants right now have some a bunch of needs and they're trying to figure out what they can do at 11. And yeah. if they go to get Kenny Galladay, now they can go for a pass rusher or go get a tackle. And any offense, it starts at the offensive line. So uh, just one little thing about receivers and going back to Corey Davis, please, you know, look at this, look at the coaching changes before you go and, and uh, rank a guy or, or put a stink on him. Like I know when he puts on the Jets jersey, you get like you see like you see some stink, but he, they got, you know, San Francisco East over there. They got, you know, yes. Robert Sala. They got LaFleur. That offense on, from the Kyle Shanahan scheme is going to be really good. Um, you know, it's gonna be really fun to watch. And if he gets that Pierre Garçon type of a role, he's going to get peppered with targets. And he does have that Pierre Garçon type of a, a build. He's a, you know, he's a big dude. I, I was at the draft, actually met John Ross. Um, I'm a short guy and he's not much bigger than I am. Um, but I also met Corey Davis and Corey Davis looked like he had, a, looked like he was Jake the snake because he had his just traps were like just coming <laughs> out of his, um, suit, like, Corey Davis is a jacked dude. I was like, he's 22. Like he, he's, he was just jacked. And you know, he's been on that. Him and DK Metcalf have been hitting that gym together. Oh yeah. I mean, he, he was just, gym. just he was shredded. He was wearing a suit and it was like, he was wearing a tank top. I mean, he was just the muscles. Just, he, he's a big dude. Yeah. Cause there was, um, some pic- there was a picture that came out. I forget how long ago it was, but there was the reports of like, he was training with AJ Brown and at the same time. DK Metcalf was there. They were kind of down there toward like the Mississippi area where uh, they went to college at. And yeah, Corey Davis is apparently lifting those guys too. Cause you know, like I said, that's kind of worn off probably on him a little bit. Oh yeah, no doubt. So um, yeah, as far and then Keelan Cole also went to the Jets. John Brown went to the Raiders. Right. Um, there's been a bunch of smaller moves that have happened. Um, and then AJ Green, we didn't talk about that. Um, yeah. But AJ Green went to the Arizona Cardinals. Um, kind of, you know, that's, that's a sad one for the Bengals. I mean, he was, uh, you know, it's good to see him go somewhere else, and they already have the replacement with D with T Higgins. You know, the, the Bengals had one of the best drafts last year. Um, but AJ Green, you know, it, it's he was it's been a long career there. AJ Green's that was my boy. probably the quietest 100 target season I have ever seen. Was last year from AJ Green. Yeah, I mean AJ Green again. He's my boy. I, I that's the first jersey I bought when I moved back to the Cincinnati area. I was like, yeah. I gotta get AJ Green, right? Uh, he he and this city are are just we're tied at the hip. And him and Dalton did a really good job together. And so I gotta be honest, all last year we were, and I say we as a Bengals fan, right? You're not supposed to be we. I, we as Bengals fans were excited to see him play, and and all kind of knew the writing was on the wall. As soon as they drafted Higgins, everybody was like, that's a new time. We got Burrow and Higgins now. We don't need Green anymore. He was hurt. He missed the whole season, but was he hurt the whole time? I don't know. So I actually really like seeing him go to a team that has a chance to win with, like I said before, with a bunch of veterans. You know, they got Hopkins, they got Watt, they got Murray. I mean, I think that Fitzgerald, of course. I mean, like that team is ready to win now, and I'm actually really happy for him. I just mm-hmm. – it's it's bittersweet because I really wanted him to retire as a Bengal and play forever on this team, but it just doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's – our team's not built for that right now. So I'm, I'm happy to see him get, what was it? Six and a half million, I think with Arizona. Yeah, I That's pretty to, good up for to, up to 8 million. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good for a receiver like him. I'm, I think that's actually solid for a one-year deal. I think he's still got a lot left in the tank too. He's one of those guys I've been buying in dynasty everywhere. Cause nobody wants him. Uh, there was actually, I think there was a trade I did. It was like a 22 fourth and uh, some other no name player for AJ green. And I was like, I'll take that any day All of the day. week. Like, why not? Like yeah. he's still wow. got chances. And it, 
you know, that was like middle of last season and I started him a couple times. So, I mean, I just think, in, especially in fantasy, AJ Green's one of those guys in all honesty on this new offense, I'm not sure what to think of him, but as a talent in fantasy, I always go for talent first situation, especially with receivers can change in a heartbeat. You know, we might hear Fitzgerald retire in August and that changes that whole offense, right? I, I nobody really knows what Fitz is going to do. He might play three more years. We don't know. But at some point, he might decide to hang it up. Hopkins is still going to be Hopkins. You know that he's going to get number one of coverage. Green has almost always been the number one guy. So seeing him on the number two and even number three guy, depending on how this lines up, could be a big year for him. So I'm a big fan of Green this year. This is probably something he's never dealt with because he's probably always been the best player on the offense. Yes, everywhere Back since high school. Going, yes. oh, yeah, yeah, going from high school all the way through. He's always been the best player on his offense. Now he Without doesn't a doubt. have to beat yep. that guy. Nope. He can actually sit out and be fine. He can play, you know, 20% of the snaps in a game and nobody's going to be up his butt about it. I think that's probably perfect for him to be honest. Yeah. So we talked a lot about Kenny Galladay just before we move off off receivers, Juju, where does everyone think Juju is going to go? I'm going to throw a sleeper out there that has not, I don't think it's been talked about, but the Raiders, um, they don't have any linemen, um, but they just made a bunch of, a bunch of money moves um, by getting rid of those linemen, which, Thankfully, they got they they said they were going to release him, but they actually traded a bunch of them, which right. saved them a little bit. They got a third rounder for Rodney Hudson, which was big for a guy that you announced you were going to get rid of. Yeah, um, so, I can't believe that trade went through. That was nuts. I I, I love Mike Mayock, and uh, you know that was that was a good one right there. But where do you guys think Juju's going to go? Yeah, the Raiders. I did a landing spot article. They're kind of one of the teams I touched on. Um, New York makes some sense uh, with the Jets, the Jets, right? Just yeah. because it's look, Juju is very obviously <clears throat> concerned about building his brand. There's a couple places where you can go to where you know you're going to be able to build your brand. New York was one of them. We'll see what they do with that. Another one, honestly, for me, might be the LA Chargers. That's one no one's really talked about. He goes back to where Plus, he's from. His family still lives in LA. They've got the money. And then with by losing Hunter Henry, they open up some targets. You pair up Juju with Keenan Allen and with Mike Williams. I think that's kind of an interesting one. Um, everyone wants to talk about the Miami what? Dolphins as a logical one, but we'll see what they do. Especially after getting Will Fuller, I don't see that one happening now. Well, let's put it this way. I think the Chargers could move on from Mike Williams too, to be honest. Like mm-hmm. it could be it one could. of those things to free up cap space and add some other potential. They're they're kind of stagnant on him. Last year was not a great year for Mike Williams. So I don't I don't hate that move. I think they're not going to sign Juju until they move something like Mike Williams to kind of add space. But in all honesty, I love the Jets. That's where I think he should go. And I know that Corey Davis just signed there and he's getting all this pop, but Juju played with Darnold at USC. I, and that would just mind blow me in a little bit. But that's like if, if Darnold's going to be the quarterback, though. Well, that's what I'm yeah. saying. That, that would mind blow me a little bit. If they get Juju, in my mind, that's them saying Darnold's our guy. And that's yeah. where I think they start to look at trading down from two. I think that's kind of where there's yeah. a couple of dominoes that could fall there. So if you're asking me where do I want him to go, it's New York Jets. Where do I think he'll go? Not even a chance he goes to the Jets. I am with Tommy. I think the Jets go quarterback. I think they move on from Darnold, either a trade. I'm not sure where at this point because there's so many different cards in the air. But I do think that they move on from Darnold in one way or another. I think mm-hmm. the funnest thing for me to watch, the best thing for me to watch on Sunday come fall would be Darnold to Juju Smith-Schuster and just kind of run that all back because they actually had a really good career together in college in the South of California. So the other odd thing that I think would be really, I don't know, kind of crazy to see is if Darnold gets traded to the Niners and the Niners sign Juju to go with all of those other playmakers. I mean, honestly, the Niners have a lot of players that can do everything. Juju kind of fits that mold, to be honest. He's a guy that get the ball in his hands and let him play. 
That's what Ayuk, that's what uh, Samuel is. Like, that's the kind of offense they run. And if they go and trade Garoppolo as a backup, you know, and there's some weird things happen, seeing him in San Francisco, I mean, yeah, that's not technically Southern California, but they're closer, and I think that could work. Yeah, still but the there's some though. of those things that would just be so much fun to see. I don't know. I, well, I don't well, think they're going to happen. Don't qu- don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm just saying that'd be fun to see. That's all yeah. I'm going for. Well, what if Juju end up staying in, in Pittsburgh and uh, the Steelers end up pulling a San I'd hate that. Trade. I'm a Bengals fan. I would love no, it. Thanks. I'm a Steelers I'm fan. Give me it. He has ingrained himself so much with the fans from the escapades with his bike to his dog, like everything other than like, but at the same time, it's like he danced his way out of Pittsburgh. Literally. Um, It's just, then you see him. Okay. He's playing Fortnite and he's like free man, March 17th. And he's playing in different jerseys on what the teams are on what uh, viewers are wanting him to play as. Then he has the Instagram story of, Will I stay or am I gone? And having people vote, and we see that he voted that he was leaving himself too. It's he's not going to get the deal that he wants yeah. in Pittsburgh. But at the same time, it doesn't look like he's getting the deal he wants anywhere. No. Um, so I think it's interesting because at the same time, the Pittsburgh Steelers have a lot of holes. Like you have to replace three fifths of your entire offensive line right now. Uh, part of that's going to happen in the draft, but that's not looking good. You let go of Bud Dupree; he's now in Tennessee. Uh, Vince Williams is gone. Uh, you lost Mike Hilton. So the defense himself, like this is a completely different Pittsburgh Steelers team. They don't have a lot of cap to do it. And it's your final year with Ben Roethlisberger, which personally I was surprised he even came back, especially yeah. after Marquise Pouncey retiring. I would love to see yeah. Juju back. Um, we know how good this Pittsburgh Steelers are when it comes to wide receivers. Chase Claypool looks good. Deontay Johnson is solid when he's catching the ball. Um, I would love to see it. Do I think it happens? I don't. Well, have the Pittsburgh Steelers even signed anybody? I feel like I haven't heard them talking they about anything. Nothing. They've no, been very like nothing. some some backup guys or whatever. Like nobody big. So in all honesty, like Juju signing with Pittsburgh would be a big signing, but it'd be staying home. And I just don't know if the team is is wanting to do that. Right? They I mean, haven't made that very have, clear. Like, like Grant, I think Spotrack and Over the Cap. I think though their servers are still like on fire. It's like the whole like everything <laughs> yeah. is fine kind of meme. I think that's still their location because they're kind of kind of up and down if they've been updating things. I think Pittsburgh is still like under five, like they're still below $5 million under the cap. So they yep. probably don't even have the money to pull nope. it off and then in turn sign uh, your rookies coming in. Uh, and they could sign a four-year, $140 million contract for GG, right? If we could get creative. Yeah, yeah let's get, I don't see him doing that. But I'm just saying, like, that would be – I, I I would hate that, again, as a Bengals fan. And, Tommy, you and I have talked about this. As a Bengals fan, having him come to Cincinnati, how would that make you feel if he signed with the Bengals? I would hate that so much. Yeah. I, I would, <laughs> it's almost the same thing of, like, when James – it's like when uh, James Harris left the Steelers midseason to go to the New England Patriots. And, all, and like, Steelers fans at that time, they are like, he literally just threw away his name in the ring of honor. Like that's yeah. how betrayed Steelers fans felt at that time. It would be the same thing for Juju if he went to another team in the AFC North. So, so Mike Hilton's out. Mike Hilton's dead to you then, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So and it sucks the, because I wanted him back. He played so well in the slot last year. The yep. two teams that we they didn't mention that I think are, are good fits would be Baltimore and, and Indianapolis Colts. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we talked yep. about the division thing, um, but the Colts, you know, they got some money, um, but they're pretty patient. I don't know how much they spent. Bash, any thoughts on Juju or any of the receivers? I'm praying that he doesn't go to Indy because I still hold out hope that Paris Campbell's going to break out there and have a big year because I've got shares of him everywhere. <laughs> yes, <laughs> same way. Yes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some uh, some money stuff out there in regards to Sam Darnold and why I think he's going to get traded. So Sam Darnold, uh, I believe it's a it's a 4.5 or a 5.4 million dollar hit this year, and then next year's his fifth year option, which would be 20 million dollars. And then if they 
if they tagged him, would be $30 million. That's, that's assuming they don't sign him, they tag him. So you're looking at $18.5 million for the next three years. And then you look at the second pick overall, it's going to be $8.5 million for the next four years. So whether you get Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, unless Sam Darnold is so much further on your board than those guys, you're getting $10 million extra and an extra year of control. It doesn't make any sense to not do that. You, you start new, you get the new guy, and then Darnold is not, you know, a just throwaway piece. You can trade him for, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you know, you trade a third in Sam Darnold for a late first-round pick, or yeah. you trade him for a second-round pick. The Move the Sticks was talking about moving pick 34 and Sam Darnold to going all the way up to, like, the Broncos or, or the 49ers. You know, they're thinking that highly. So you could see something like that happen. But, again, it, it's when you're building a team, it's all about, you know, money. And an upside. And when you look at the, the rookie, it's cheaper, longer, more upside. It just makes way too much sense. I think Sam Donald's out of town. I, I'm not going to argue with you on that. I do think that the logic and the numbers, I'll walk, I'll walk that same path, right? I, I get what you're saying. But I do think sometimes it gets overlooked just because, obviously, we we all know this, but sometimes it's good to hear it out loud. Adam Gase is not in New York anymore. Tannehill did really well when Adam Gase left. There are a lot of players actually in Miami that did really well when Adam Gase left. Adam Gase leaving, in my mind, changes the whole equation. Yes, those numbers add up and they're true, but Robert Sala could look at Darnold and go, you know what, he's not a bad fit. Let's wait till next year and see what we get at quarterback. We keep Darnold this year. Darnold's only 24. He's not an yeah. old man. He's still a young kid. He Honestly, like, he's in his fourth year, I believe, but he's 24. That's insane. So even as a young head coach and like a new head coach to a new offense without Adam Gase, you're looking at a guy that's like, well, maybe we keep this kid one more year, see if he's got anything and see what happens. So, I mean, again, I, I'm with you. The numbers line up that he should be moved, but how many times do we see bad GMing happen? Every single offseason we see it. Like it's just, it's in fantasy. We're all like, what are you doing? And it's not even, it's consensus. What are you doing? And it happens yeah. every year. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if Darnold stays one more year with the Jets, kind of on a prove-it deal on his own, right? He's got that mm-hmm. fifth-year option. They might sign to re-sign him. He's 24. He's got potential. I, I just yeah. – I, I have faith in Darnold myself. I, I'm not a Dar- Darnold hater at all, so I definitely want to make sure that everyone's not, you know, not hearing what I'm not saying. Um, you know, Darnold could go somewhere, and, you know, with Kyle Shanahan would be – you know, I think it would be great. And, um, you know, in the right, in the right system – and then away from Adam Gase is just addition by subtraction. Um, so he could be fine where he's at. And then also, like I said, he could be, you know, he could be gold um, somewhere like that. Um, I really thought Washington was a good pick for him, but they just signed Fitzpatrick. So for me, it's the, it's the Broncos or the 49ers is where I would like to see um, Sam Darnold, um, you know, or, or the Steelers. Yeah. So moving to tight ends, um, you know, we had, uh, let's, so, so let's talk about the New England Patriots, right? So um, I don't we, want to. So <laughs> we can, have can to. We, Come on, Tommy. We have to. It's, it's part of our job. Fi- Let's do it. We can do it. Can, can we finally say that Kyle Pitts is not going to go to the New England Patriots? No. They're gonna no. Get, Kyle Pitts are going to run 13 personnel. Exactly. You can't say that. That's what's so <laughs> odd about this. I would laugh my ass off, but it's very possible. I, and the only reason I say it's possible and, and not likely is because I don't think Kyle Pitts makes it that far. Like I said before, like Kyle Pitts is one of those guys that could drop out of nowhere and kind of get lucky. But honestly – if you're Bill Belichick, or even if you're a fan of Bill Belichick and his dog in the draft room, I could definitely see Bill Belichick's dog going Kyle Pitts. That's my boy. And then you're like, why? Like you have two of the top ten tight ends in the league in theory with Smith and Henry. And like, what do you need a tight end for? He doesn't. He's just really pissed off. 
that Tom Brady won a Super Bowl. And he's like, I'm getting everybody. I don't care who it is. We're getting everybody. We're going to make you a receiver. You're a receiver. You're getting balls. And Cam Newton, who cares? We're going to drafting a quarterback in the third round who's going to start. Like, Rip Belichick is pissed. And I'm telling it's you, like he's when you see that your ex doing really well in life. And so he makes you go yes. to the gym. You start dressing better. That's what Bill <laughs> Belichick is doing. And Bingo. the thing is, I got to give him credit. He's at least building a team around his quarterback strengths, which is doing nothing yes. but giving guys inside a 10 yard box. Short. It's Short. 68% of Cam Newton's career throws are inside of 10 yards. His career uh, receptions leader, the guys he's thrown to, is Greg Olson. And so now you go out and you bring in. Arguably one of the best guys after the catch in John o. Smith. Like how many how many tight ends do you see getting over 100 rushing yards in this season? And you get that in John o. Smith, and then you get a uh, Hunter Henry. <laughs> For fantasy, it just sucks because you're taking away yeah. two of the our favorite guys to the two top options at tight end position at at the position that also has the lowest depth in terms yeah. of startable assets. Like all this did for me was just solidify my my idea coming into that. I'm either getting um, Kittle, Kelsey, or Waller, or I'm waiting. Like I'm either getting one of these top options, and even even like a TJ Hawkinson, I'm either getting them or I'm all out. I'm gonna try to get it. Exactly. There, there's these guys, and then it drops, and then they're all yep. a flat pancake. And you I took away you. two of these options that we had that were gonna be yep. in that middle range, and you've now moved them out of the tight end one category for me. Do you remember though? Yeah, above. If either of the guys see like 75 targets, I think we would can be surprised that they both actually saw that. Do you remember on Monday though when everybody was so excited for John o. Smith, right? Like yeah. I was part yeah. of it. I'm like, yes, yeah. John o. season, let's go. I love John o. Smith. You're the guy that was my breakout year. last season. Same. Yeah. I, I, well, yeah. yeah, and I was like, let's, let's, he's going to be the guy. Like Bill Belichick loves him. He's talked about him before. He's hyped him up. Like he he went and got him on day one. He went and paid for the guy. You know, he yeah, went and fun. spent it. And then the next day, did it again with Hunter Henry, and everybody's like, what? Like, yeah. You just, I, I thought it was. You a check that box, out. man. Like, what? Yeah, man. Like, I, I, I was really worried that I misread Panthers. I had like, not. Maybe been, he went to the, I've never no, been so to upset the... to add something to our free agency tracker of typing in Hunter Henry to the New England Patriots. Like, I was just upset typing the entire time. So, yeah. okay, let's let's pause for a second. Let's think this through. You put it perfectly. Th- these are playing to Cam Newton's strengths. Who's yes. going to be the running back though for the Patriots? I know we talked about running backs before, and they're not signing anybody. Obviously, yeah. they're not. I don't think they're drafting a running back. Who's it gonna be? Is it gonna be Burkhead? Is it gonna be Harris? Is it gonna be Burkhead's Michelle? Going. Are they gonna bring back White? Well, I'm saying like, is it gonna? Are they gonna bring? They like Burkhead, so he's a cheap dude yeah. anyway. But I'm saying like, is it what? What is gonna Leonard Fournette? That would be amazeballs. I still think Fournette ends up in Seattle, but and I get that that's not for sure. But again, like let's go back. Who who does New England have as their RB one? I know Cam's going to run, but Tommy, honestly, who do you think is going to be the RB for for New England? Damian Harris. I do too. Damian I do Harris too. Would be the I was RB1. Happy to hear your other running, your other rushing style running back will be Sony Michelle, and I think you're going to see a lot of work right now in the pass game coming out of JJ Taylor. JJ Taylor don't really exactly. have another passing down back in there. That's one of the reasons I could actually see someone coming in cheaply, like a Philip Lindsay, who they just kind of let go out of uh, Denver. I could see him kind of coming in there on a one year deal, small contract. But I think they're going to need that other receiving style back in there, especially with Rex Burkett and James White gone. Right now, I would say it would be Sony Michelle leading the carries with J.J. Taylor kind of coming out of the backfield. But we always know when it comes to England backfields, you never know what to expect. Well, here, just I, let me ask one more question while we're here. What about Nikhil Harry? What are we doing with him? I think Nikhil Harry right now, he's the odd man out in this yeah. offense. So he's gone, Julian right? Edelman, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers. I think they're all kind of going to be your top four guys. And right now, if you're already looking for offers on Nikhil Harry, I think he's probably going to be the odd man out of this offense. As crazy I think as he gets say. traded. 
at the draft. Yeah. I think he gets traded for a pick in a second round to somebody because Belichick or whoever wants some guy, and they decide to shop off, ship off Harry to whoever they can get. And honestly, I think that's better for everybody. I, I, I think I, I Harry think both right sides now. Yes. Yeah, I think Harry right now is he's one of those guys too that I really liked last year, and he was number one overall, and everybody had him hyped up. And I wasn't a hundred percent sold, but I was like looking at his tape, I'm seeing people. I tr- people I trust are talking about him number one. I'm like, you know what? All right, let's do it. And, and that was two years ago, I guess now. But again, it's like he just didn't do anything. He just wasn't the guy. And I think yeah. part of it is uh, obviously last season is an anomaly for everybody. COVID, we can't keep using it as an excuse, but it kind of is, right? It was hard to learn the off the, the playbook. Absolutely. But honestly, like Nikhil Harry going somewhere else could boost his value through the moon too. And yeah. I wouldn't be shocked. We talked about moons earlier. Honestly, Nikhil Harry going to Tennessee, I wouldn't hate it. I think that would be a perfect fit. They He's need not something. Yeah. Yeah, they need something. He's going to need somebody across the field from him that's going to warrant number one coverage and is a clear mm-hmm. shot taking all the offense uh, attention away. He's a number one pick. He's like a number one rookie pick in the first round all this. He doesn't need any attention right now. He needs to settle down, and I think Tennessee's a perfect place for him to do that. So I'm I calling think it's that fun to pair him back up with the guy who is going over in dynasty drafts. And one of the reasons, like we kind of, I think they kind of like reaffirm to people, hey, draft the talent, not so much just the landing spot, because yeah, they were going after him to kill Harry and <clears throat> fading AJ Brown and DK Metcalf and those kind of guys during that draft because oh, we don't like this landing spot, but Nikhil Harry, he has good tape and he's going to a place that has a wide open offense. You know, they have no one else there in New England. And so it's, I think it'd be a very interesting to see him go to Tennessee, play with Ryan Tannehill in that offense. Yeah, and I can absolutely see that. And I think it's a rookie pick trade. It's not for a player. It's a pick on the clock and something crazy happens. I'm calling it now. That's my, that's my prediction. Yeah. I'm going to echo what Tommy said. I mean, there's people that did not draft Nick Chubb because they wanted Rashad Penny or Sonny Michelle or Ronald Jones. This landing spot should not change everything. And Clyde Edwards, Alaire made that, um, you know, he's the, the, the most recent example so spot on, guys. Um, so, yeah, and James White, they're talking about him going to Tampa. Um, and Tom Brady, obviously, you know, if it's one of his guys, he's going to get him. Um, so, Poor Keyshawn Vaughn. Good God. Yeah. <laughs> eh. So um, so let's let's go to tight ends before we before we go to the defense. Um, so we already are here. Uh, but Jared Cook um, went to the, the Chargers. Yep. Um, and we had uh, Kyle Rudolph go to the Giants. Um, Jared Cook. If you're, you know, looking for like it's a one-year guy, I mean, it's a pretty good spot right now considering what's, you know, what's around him. Having Justin Herbert in that offense. Um, any other tight end news? Uh, Gerald Everett to the the Seahawks. Anything? I else? think Everett's the interesting one because of what it does possibly for Tyler Higby in uh, in Los Angeles. Um, when both of those guys were healthy and on the field, I didn't want a piece to do with either of them. I think this is kind of a good thing for both guys. Uh, interesting to see what happens in in Seattle with Will Disley. And Gerald Everett up there, um, but yeah, I think those are kind of those are the big ones. Uh, we'll kind of have to keep an eye on see if the guys do anything else. But there's not really it was not a good tight end class, all except for you know John and Hunter Henry, who just so happened to wind up on the same team. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'll jump in here. I really wanted Everett on my Bengals. I, I was predicting that and kind of manifesting that into the world beginning of the week. I'm like, I, Bengals need a tight end presence. It's not going to get crazy. You can block because right now it's what Juice and, and CJ Uzoma for you guys. And and they just re-signed Seathane Carter. Okay. <laughs> Who? Like that, that yeah. was I remember that came across my thing and I was like, oh like I'm he, he's not a bad player. Is gonna be. Well, yeah. Well, same here. I think it's gonna be odd and tape, but let's not get into that. What I was gonna get into about tight ends was Rob Gronkowski. We all talked about these these other guys, and Jared Cook, I think, is a great pick too. But Gronkowski actually he the reports came out that he was looking at the Bills. 
I call BS on all of that. There's no way he was looking at anywhere else but the Bucks. No. They just they won a Super Bowl. Well, that's the other possible. Yeah, and they might have offered something to him, but he was like, "You can offer me 35 million a day, and I'm not taking that." Like, no way am I leaving my boy Tom Brady. We're gonna run it back. We're gonna do this down here. He's in the warm temperature. He gets to be yep. like, he gets to have fun down there. There's no income tax. Like Gronk is living the dream right now. And I'll be honest with you too. Like Gronk is one of those guys that I am avoiding in every dynasty league just because I I don't know when he's going to retire again. And I, I bring it back to fantasy for a second. Gronkowski is one of those guys leading into the season. I went on a few different podcasts even in August of last year. And I was like, no, no, he's out of my top 12. I can't trust him. I don't know what to do. That's exactly the same I feel now. It's exactly yeah. the same I'll feel in six months. Like, I just don't know what to do with the guy. See, but yet he produces. No, but it's exhausting because he let, produces. And it's like, I feel like I'm wrong. But at the same time, let me, let me ask a question right. real quick. Just without looking it up, who's who's older, Travis Kelsey or Robert Gronkowski? Gronkowski. Nope. That's a trick. Kelsey. They're the yeah. same age. Yeah. Kelsey's they're about both 32, 31? I think. Yeah, they're both 31. They, maybe they both turned 32. But yeah, they're the same age. doesn't feel that way. Cam Newton and Russell Wilson are the same age. doesn't feel that way either. Yep. Um, so much it's, it's amazing how narrative can change that, right? Like the narrative yeah. around a player could like, oh my god, Julio Jones is old. Oh my god, I that, no, he's not. He's really not. You know what I mean? Like it's that. Oh, I'm with you. See, I'm I'm not as worried. It's weird. It's like I was with you with when it came to Rob Gronkowski last year because we didn't. Okay, can he actually play a full 16 games? He can, and it's he finishes what the tight end eight last season. I want to say I six, but it depends on scoring. But yeah, yeah, yeah. he was up there. Yeah, and he's come back to the exact same offense with the exact same personnel around him, and just even minus Antonio Brown. So I don't feel, I feel almost more as confident. Like, okay, this is probably going to be his range, that tight end ten to tight end thirteen range, and that's where you're going to get him. So I think you're probably going to get the exact same value. And same thing for someone like Robert Tanyan, who did get um, tendered to come back to uh, to Green Bay, and it's like the exact yeah. same thing. Coming yeah. back to the exact same offense, the exact same situation. Grant, he's not going to, you know, tie with Travis Kelsey for eleven touchdowns in a season. We don't expect that one. But look, it's if you're looking for guys to, the in free agency, we always have to wonder, okay, how is this new offense and this new personnel going to affect player X, Y, and Z? Mm-hmm. When we're going back to the exact same thing, we can kind of make things a little easier to go, okay, this happened last year might happen the exact same thing this year. And I think both of those two guys were, I think you're kind of going to get what you're going to get out of them based on what we saw last year. Yeah. And, and I'm with you. I like Everett. I like Everett a lot. Um, I think that he gets, you know, he's, he was an interesting one. Um, and then, you know, do you think any tight ends get traded now that, you know, there's not any more tight ends on the market? People might start looking around for, you know, an OJ Howard or David Njoku. Oh, I want an Njoku to get traded. I, I think I, I'm a big Njoku fan. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that the, well, it also the way opens that the, up uh, Harrison Bryant. Yeah, I was gonna say the way the Browns are built with Hooper and Bryant both there, mm-hmm. they have a an overflow at that position, and I think he's another one of those guys that could get traded on draft day and just kind of see if if there's a, a feeler out there. Tight end's a weird position in the NFL because there are some teams that just like obviously like the Patriots that care a lot about it, and they draft two tight ends last year and and don't do anything with them and. Then they go and sign two big free agents. But then there are other teams, even like the Cardinals, that just don't need it. You know, like there's a bunch of teams that just don't bother with the tight end. I mean, even the Bills, like like, Dawson Knox was like the guy, but not really. I mean, it's just, I don't know. So I I, I I think it'd be interesting to see what happens there. I might get some hate for this, but, you know, I I would not hate the Giants trading Evan Ingram. I don't know. I agree. Now that they got Rudolph. Yeah. I agree. If it, you can roll Caden Smith and, and Kyle Rudolph. You can you could you possibly you know, trade up or, or get Kyle Pitts at eleven 
if you get Kenny Galladay, I feel like Ingram's a movable piece. And one, with the what Hayden Hurst, what the Atlanta Falcons got or gave up for Hayden Hurst, a second round pick for yeah. Hayden Hurst, Evan Ingram can get at least second round pick. Sign me up. I'll take him. Um, you know, I'm just sick of watching the drops. Um, and, and I'm sick of the injuries. Um, and if we're not going to re-sign him, trade him now, get something for him and move on. Yep. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. And I think Evan Ingram is one of those guys I have in a couple different dynasty leagues, just as a kind of like a backup tight end in some places where it's like, he could be a beast. Like he's got the talent if he can just catch. And so I think too, you're exactly right. If you get him on another team, I mean, my God, could you imagine Evan Ingram in Arizona? Like that kind of offense with another option. Like who, Evan Ingram is not the greatest blocking tight end, but man, I'm telling you, you put him on an offense that wants to roll. Whew, I don't need to block an air raid. No, no, you don't, because it's three seconds and you're out anyway. So who are you blocking? Like you're good. Like let's just get out. Well, the three field seconds and Kyler Murray scrambling at that point. Yeah, put put him in Same Buffalo. Idea, yeah. Put him in Buffalo. Put him in Jacksonville. Um, put him in Cincinnati. Places. I'm telling you what, like Burrow would love a tight end, especially yeah, well, as quick as he's going to get out the ball. He needs tight end help, but yeah, I don't we'll, know if the Bengals are ever going to do that. We'll give you Evan Ingram. We get a second round pick and Kenny Galladay. It's a good trade. Uh, so when it, when it comes to the, I'm, yeah, all right. I'm signing off on this from the outside. <laughs> when it, when it comes down to the defense, you know, there's, there's definitely been a lot of moves. Um, you know, the, the Miami dolphins made a defensive trade. Um, with Shaq Lawson um, swap with the Texans for uh, Ben Derek McKinnon. Um, what what can we look at as far as some of the free agent moves or offseason moves? Um, some guys that have risen in the IDP ranks that bash. I think that you're going to see a lot of people that were down on the Vikings defensive line last year because obviously they signed Pierce free agency. He sat all year from COVID and then Tomlinson's being added. Hunter's going to be back. That old line's going to be nasty. I think that uh, my favorite signing so far this offseason has been uh, the Pats getting Judon. I think that's such a great fit for them. They didn't overpay. They got their guy. I think he's going to be a smash there. Uh, I don't see him being top 10 linebacker in IDP this year, but I would say he's top 20 now. And the other big one that I loved was the Browns grabbing John Johnson. I think he's he's mm-hmm. great there. That's a great fit. Him and Delpit next year are going to be amazing together. I think that's going to be a fast, hard-hitting backfield. It, that's such a great – and the Browns, they got McKinley cheap. He's not the greatest player. He's had some issues in Atlanta, but I think he's going to be a great fit for them. And at that price – you can test him out and see how he does. First round draft capital, he's going to be a good player, at least in the sense that he's going to at least provide them with enough that they won't need to pay up anywhere else. So, and then well, I, I also grabbed I, Troy Hill, which is great. Yeah, well, I want to jump in here real quick. Tommy, a Pittsburgh fan, and I'm a Cincy fan. I'm terrified of the Browns. They've done terrific on the defense in this free agency week. I, I listen. Yeah, unfortunately, but like I, I'm every time I see a, like Troy Hill just today, I think right, I'm like, oh, you gotta be yeah. kidding me! Like, how are they doing this? Their offense is yeah. staying pretty much the same. They don't really have a lot of needs. Their offensive line is pretty solid. They've got extra tight ends we just talked about, and their defense is now leveled up times three. Like, yeah. I am nervous. That team has done from, like some really terrific work on the defense, and I'm, yeah, I'm terrified of them division, as the Bengals. Yeah, yeah, so well, we're on. They're going for it. Yeah. 
We're on defense, so some some news is coming out. Um, Bears are releasing veteran Kyle Fuller, and the Broncos are expected to you know make a really strong push at him. Um, Makes sense. So just want to throw that out there, and then we're right on right on cue with the defense. Um, with some of these moves, people leave. Somebody has to step up. We talked about that with you know what happens with Dalvin Tomlinson. Anything bash as far as some of the guys that have left? Were you guys you expect guys to step up? Well, there's like the Tomlinson one. That's a huge hole, and like you said earlier, the D line in this class is not good. I don't think there is any edge rushers in this draft that are deserve first round draft capital. I don't think there's one. Mm-hmm. And guys will argue and say, sure, there's a few that are maybe towards the, the back end. But myself, I'm a Vikings fan, and I hear all these mock drafts having them taking defensive end at 14, and it scares the hell out of me. I don't want one there at all. I don't trust any of them at that with that kind of draft capital anyway. But, yeah, there's been some crazy things like uh, Leonard Floyd getting $64 million, 32 and a half guaranteed. That is a bad move for the Rams. Like that's that's insane cap for a linebacker. And then you've got uh, Brockers getting traded to the Lions, which was funny after he just said that golf sucked. <laughs> or he wasn't as good. Stafford was such a great upgrade. Oops. And he yep. made yeah. it. And he gets traded back to him. So, yeah, I guess they're going to have to make up in the locker room this year. But that was a that was a funny offseason story anyway. Yeah, I like here. Let me let me, some of my let me ask you this. this year is with uh, – what's that? I was like, let me ask you this, Bash. I'm in my I'll first like the, IDP league. Who yeah. should I go after in IDP? Like, who's the number one guy that you feel like gained the most in IDP world from these free agency signings? The guy that gained the most, I think, is Judon went. Like, I yeah. got him last year in a startup, I think, in round 38 or 39. It was late. And to get a – I think he's top 20 this year. He was close to that last year. He's, I think, 20 – nine in the format I use. So he's going to be inside that top 20 this year. So I think guys will sleep on him too. Nobody likes the Pats. We all know that. So, so I don't know. I think that, uh, I think he's great. I think uh, Nugoku going to the Raiders could be, he could be a sneaky riser. So there's, of the other ones, Lions got Aquara in there. That's, he didn't gain value like he's he's there. So he's still um, there, right? Pierce, I think guys guys like Pierce where he signed and he sat out all last year. He signed with the Vikings to be their their guy on that uh fill up the middle of their D line. He's gonna be a smash next year. Him and Tomlinson together, I just who's gonna run on the Vikings? It's just six hundred and forty some pounds combined between the two of those guys. They're they're monsters, but yeah, there's uh like like I said with the Browns, I, I like Tack. I think that's a good sleeper. You can get oh, yeah. him super late. Super late. And who knows? I from what I hear about him, he has issues, but uh he also hated being on the Falcons. He publicly said it. He didn't like the t- so I think that he'll be he'll be a good uh a good riser or a good sleeper pick, at least. I'm curious. I like the Jags grabbing Shaq Griffin. That was a great. 
Well, that's my cousin there talking about the Falcons. We actually did talk quite a bit. Um, <laughs> and uh, as far as, you know, Matt Ryan restructuring, I think that does point to him staying a little longer. Um, it doesn't put them out of grabbing a, a quarterback, but I think it's less likely. Um, they could be a team on the move. Um, you know, they could be getting a lot of trade offers at four um, for guys that are interested in, you know, Trey Lance or Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. Um, I think a cornerback makes a ton of sense for um, for them. You know, a Caleb Farley, Patrick Sertan, and they could probably trade back and still get one of those guys because the, exactly. the quarterbacks are going to push people down the board. That's um, one of those teams you could see the 49ers make a trade with because you're just talking about you talk yep. about a, a perfect combination there of cornerback and uh, quarterback. The 49ers are looking for a quarterback. I don't. I think we're all fairly certain that they are. They're okay with going forward, Jimmy Garoppolo, but it's not exactly who they want at that point. So if you have the Falcons all of a sudden move uh, move back with the 49ers, they can get whoever they want to say, like someone like a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields, whoever falls into that point. That puts the Falcons in at a great position to look at a Patrick Sertan, Caleb Farley, someone in that kind of range. Um, that that's kind of like the sweet spot. Of, uh, Pitts might be there. My whole thing with the Falcons is even if they go a quarterback, they're more than one player away from competing. For sure, um, yeah. And so trading back makes sense. You also have to deal with, you kind of brought this one up, the uh, Matt Ryan contract. They do have an out coming up on that. You could bring up a quarterback. Like, There's only one quarterback who I feel like should probably start year one. I think I feel like it's Trevor Lawrence. The rest of these guys, like even like regardless of the player and how good they are, every quarterback does better and would benefit from sitting at least half a season. Learn the offense, learn the systems, and all these things. So, and if you brought one in to learn behind Matt Ryan, there's few that are going to be better than Matt Ryan to learn behind. This is a team who was competing mainly because they had to put up points because the defense couldn't keep up with that, couldn't uh, couldn't stop anyone. So, if you get some help on any of those three levels of the defense, I think it makes a lot of sense for them to try to move back. I 100% agree with you on that. Yeah, I mean, moving back is the right answer for a lot of those teams at the top. In all honesty, I would love to see the Bengals move back just because yep. we need an offensive line and Penny Sewell's the kind of the guy everybody I don't know locks in as the pick but the more picks you get the better your team gets and yep. i think that like you just said the Bengals are not one one guy away right we're not yep. one year away from winning we need a lot of things fixed our defense has a lot of issues i'm sure bash honestly has there been anybody on the Bengals defense other than Mike Hilton who was phenomenal on the Steelers last year and uh, what was the other guy we got? Hendrickson, right, from the Saints? Like, there's a couple of guys that I think did really well, but, like, the Bengals' defense still has a lot of holes, am I right? Absolutely. And the thing that they did with getting Hendricks, why? He made the yeah, same money lost, as Lawson. Lawson yeah. already yeah. knows the thing yeah. that he knows the system. I don't, I, why would yeah. you get rid of Hendricks for the same money? It makes no sense to me. And the you're also hoping Hendrickson is not just a one-year wonder because that was he was a first-year starter and yeah. put up grand. He put up like what was it, twelve and a half sacks in his first year. But you're hoping he's not just a one-year kind of guy for the money you just gave him. So just to jump on that too, I think it's it's uh, like exactly. that family guy thing with the boat, right? Like, uh, well, well, Hendrickson could be better than Lawson. Well, I mean, like honestly, Maybe. like he might not be. Why not just take Lawson? Like, what are we doing here? Why are we risking that? Yeah. I honestly, and if I'm being, and this is again, homerism and, and local talk radio and all this, Austin had talked a couple different times about wanting to get out of town. And I think Mike Brown was just kind of fed up with it. And I really do think that talent didn't matter there. So I'm with you. Like, why did they do it? It's because Mike, just Mike Brown. I don't know. That's the only answer I can give you. And I really do think that Lawson is a better player, but they also looked at it like, well, Lawson's out. We already know that. Let's go fill that hole. And that's pretty much yeah. what the way that went down. 
because logically that doesn't make sense, but emotionally it kind of fits given the way the team is, is run. But yeah, I'm with you entirely. Like Lawson's better than Hendricks, so I don't get why you do that other than yeah. the extra things, you know? I mean, they, Bash, I'll ask you this one too, kind of get your opinion on this. With uh, Bud Dupree going to Tennessee, we know he's coming yeah. off the ACL tear, and he's not going to start in week one like because that ended up happening in week 12, which I think was interesting. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers are 11-0, and then they go 1-5 and after that point. Are the Tennessee Titans finally getting what they were hoping for in Jadavian Clowney now coming off the edge, a guy who played well in his last two seasons when he was on A, a contract year, and then B, a franchise tag? And then with Alex Highsmith now as the heir apparent for the Pittsburgh Steelers coming off the edge, how do you feel like he's going to pair well with someone like a TJ Watt, who now they need to go out and give him the richest contract in franchise history? Love him. I love him. I think both of those moves are great for both teams. Like it work, it works good for both teams. I think that Dupree's going to be a smash where he's at as long as he can come back healthy and yeah. obviously not have any more problems. I think he can play well there. That's going to be a great system fit for him. It'll be great. And Highsmith, I think he's. You don't need Dupree when you have Highsmith. I think he's good. He's a buy everywhere. Just go pick up Highsmith, and in about week four, week five, and next season, he's going to be. You won't be able to trade for him in IDP. He's going to be that young guy that nobody talked about that is smashing everywhere. The same thing last year I called Kaiser out. He was my big guy. I wanted him. I draft him everywhere, got Kaiser, and he smashed for a few weeks. He kind of petered off towards the end of the year, but he had that big – I think you're going to see the same out of Highsmith. He'll, he'll have an up-and-down year. He's young, but he's going to be, he's going to be a huge riser. And so if you I have mean, somebody who's desperate for picks at this point, Trade him a third, get Highsmith, you'll yep. be happy. There's only one linebacker in this whole rookie class that is of his caliber, and that's Parsons. And we even, we're here, we're even hearing Parsons has a good chance of falling in this draft. I think the, the draft is interesting. There's one guy who I really like, and it was actually the, the Nagurski Award winner last year, and that was going to be Xavier uh, 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 Collins out of Tulsa. I think he's interesting. Look at someone like a... Uh, Owusu Kamoro coming out of Notre Dame. I think he's interesting, but is he, gonna, is he kind of a tweener where he's going to play down in the edge? He's going to play back. He's got to come to the right fit as well. Um, there's some interesting edge guys. You talk about this not being a great edge class. I think there's some interesting ones. Like there's just this freak athlete, like with Quiddy Pay coming out of Michigan, which is kind of like what their guys kind of are. Mm -hmm. uh, can look back towards like a um, no, Rashawn Gary. Quiddy Pay, he's 6'4, and he's probably he's 6'4, 270, and he's probably going to run like a 4'5 something 40. It's kind of just a, one of those freak athletes. Um, Gregory Rousseau, I think, is interesting. Um, Aziz Ozolwari coming out of Georgia. I think there's some interesting guys. Um, they'll go in the first round, but it's kind of like you're saying. It's like, what? It's as long as they go to the right scheme, I think that's when you're going to be like, okay, yeah, these guys can actually make something happen early on in their rookie careers. And there's a ton Absolutely. of. Go ahead. I like uh, Basham. Weaver, Phillips, those are all good names. Like second round picks, if hit the right fit and they'll be great. Yeah, they'll, you'll see some production for IDP. But as far as spending early capital on, um, it's scary to me. Yeah, what I was going to add is, you know, the run and chase linebackers, you know, the, the linebackers that are athletic enough to cover tight ends, um, as well as cover the running backs out of the backfield, is is really a premium now. And there's a ton of those guys in this draft. Um, Zayvon Collins is pretty big for what he can do. Mm -hmm. um, 
but you got you got Jamin Davis out of Kentucky, Nick Bolton. Um, there's there's a lot of good linebackers that are going to go day two, um, and those guys could be difference makers um, day one. Um, Jamin yeah. Davis out of Kentucky. Uh, Dan Jeremiah was asked, "Is there a rookie in this draft that can have like a Tristan Wirfs kind of an impact where he's like a day one starter and has an impact all year?" And he called out Jamin Davis. So um, you know that that's. Now that's speaking about the depth of that position because he's not a guy that's really mentioned that much. Um, and I love the guy at Notre Dame. I want to see what he weighs um, and what he what he plays at because yeah, he's he's someone that could be you know like a Buda Baker or, yeah. or one of those chess pieces like a Micah Fitzpatrick. I think one of the surprising things like you see how athletic these guys are on the edge and also at the outside linebacker. It was surprising to me when we kind of saw all these cuts happening leading up to free agency with teams trying to free up cap where for some reason the O-line was where they looked to free up some space. Yeah. We just saw Patrick Mahomes scramble for his life. I think he ran, what was it, like? 457 yards. Yeah, (sighs) exactly, before he even threw a pass. Like, you realize how critical the offensive line is, and then you see what the the Las Vegas Raiders did, gittering of everyone. I think it was surprising to me, given how good these guys are on the perimeter of defenses, that teams were willing to compromise at the offensive line. I think that was one of the surprising things to me, the free agency that kind of hasn't been talked about too much. So um, I'd, I'd love to stay on till midnight and chop it up with you guys. Um, but I definitely, uh, I got a wife coming home soon and she's going to expect me to be off this thing. So um, I really appreciate it. Um, you guys can find this episode on, uh, I'll, you know, after tonight, I'll put it on, on uh, Apple podcast. I'll put it out there on uh, Spotify. It's, it's going to be on YouTube and Facebook already. Um, you can find it on Twitter. And then just to go back, where can we find you guys? I'll start. So I, I'm still hoping to come uh, back to the football network know. next year. Obviously, I, I wrote for them for two years. I'm looking forward to being back with them next season. And obviously, that's for Tommy writes. But I am starting at Fantasy Pros this offseason, too, doing some offseason content for them, either Dynasty and, and kind of rookie draft related. But, yeah, you can always find me on Twitter at Andrew Hall FF. Yeah, I'm over uh, Tommy Garrett at PFN, two, tar, two R's, two T's. Uh, I write all everything over at Pro Football Network. I cover fantasy football. I cover NFL. Um, big news for us kind of here recently, kind of do a little shameless little plug. We just signed Trey Wingo to be a part of Pro Football Network as a ambassador, content provider, and an equity partner. So that was kind of one of our big things. And that's where you can find me everything over there. Bash? You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty Bash IDP, and I will be writing starting next week. I'm going to be handling the IDP portion uh, Dynasty Pros. You'll be able to catch some of my content over there. I'll do the ratings and start writing articles. Cool. Well, congrats on that, man. And uh, just again, thanks for thanks for joining the show. I'll catch everybody not next week. I'll be in Florida next week, but we'll catch you guys in two <laughs> weeks. All right. Thanks, guys. Sounds good. Thanks, Dave. Thank you.